Turn please to Romans 12th chapter this evening. Romans chapter 12. We've been on a series for some uh, weeks entitled Transformed. Transformed. And our text is right here in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Now here's something he's telling us don't let happen, and in contrast, something that can happen. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Anytime the Lord tells you, the the word tells you, don't do this. Uh, Don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. If it wasn't an issue, he wouldn't have told you. Right? Right? By the mere fact of him bringing it up and cautioning us and alerting us and telling us don't let this happen means it's going to be a temptation. It's going to be an issue. But the good news is if he tells you don't do it, you know you have the power not to do it. Don't be conformed to this world. There are pressures brought about by the God of this world, the enemy. Through all kind of people and organizations and situations and, and social pressures and economic pressures and political pressures and religious pressures to conform. Conform. You know, it starts young. Hmm? Everybody else is smoking and drinking. Why don't you? Everybody else is trying it. Everybody else is doing it. What's wrong with you? You think you're better than than everybody else? What's wrong with you? There's pressure to conform. At the office. On the job. Everybody else slights this and changes this and messes with the figures and basically lies and cuts corners. And and why don't you? Hmm? Oh, Miss Goody Goody. (laughs) (laughs) think they're too good too good to lie and steal I hope so (laughs) (laughs) but there's pressure to be quiet shut up, sit down, go along conform and the Bible tells us don't when these pressures come to bear to get us to conform, to yield to sin, to be a part of things where no are wrong, something ought to jump up on the inside of you and go, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. Well, you'll lose your job. Well, I'll get a better one. <laughs> we'll kick you out of the club. Maybe I shouldn't have joined to start with. Huh? <laughs> no, he tells us don't. Be conformed, but instead be what? Transformed. Transformed. Now, this comes from the word uh, morph, morpheo. It's where we get our words uh, morph and metamorph, metamorphosis. It's like the caterpillar to butterfly change. A total change. 
into something else. Can you change? Radically? From who and what you are now? Can you still change a whole lot more? Yes, you can. And how does it happen? Read the scripture. How does it happen? By the renewing of your mind. Now he's writing to the saints that are at Rome. These are born again people. These are people who have a relationship with the Lord. But he's telling them that they can be transformed. Even after they've been born again. And he's telling them that their minds need to be renewed. See when you get born again. It's not your mind that got born again. It's not your body that got born again. Your spirit becomes a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But you still got the same mind you had the day before you got saved. And you still got the same body. And it'll do the same stuff if you let it. That's been confusing to a lot of people. They thought, well, if I really got saved, then I shouldn't have any more problem with these thoughts or with this. Oh, no, honey. (laughs) You still got a mind and you still got a body and you still live in this world. The difference is you got power now. Come on, are you listening? To resist temptation, you are not powerless. You are not a victim. And greater is he that's in you. Than he that's in the world. But we need to immediately begin renewing our minds so that we think right. We think right. We think according to God's thoughts. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And we need to lay aside these low thoughts. Look with me in the um, in 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. 2 Corinthians 3, down in the latter part of the chapter, he's talking about the glory of the first covenant and the glory of the new covenant. And uh, among of the things he says in verse uh, 14 that their minds were blinded. Well, that means you can't see. And he's not talking about physical sight. He's talking about mind seeing. Seeing with your mind. Everyone knows, if you think about it, you can close your eyes and still see. You can see with your mind. You can see things that have already happened. You can see things that you imagine. You can see things that you suppose about the future. You can see with your eyes closed. The scripture talks about in this fourth chapter. Just look down uh, in the fourth chapter there. Verse 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Things you can see with your eyes closed are longer lasting than things you can see with your eyes open. (laughs) But see, most of the focus is what you see here. And people think, well, that's the most important. This is the most temporary. What you see with your eyes open is the most temporary of what you can see. 
But you can close your eyes as a child of God. And by the Spirit of God, you can see things that are eternal. That will never change and never pass away. And never cease. And wise people will focus more on that than looking at this stuff. This all going to be gone in a little while. And here's good news. If you can see it with these eyes, it's subject to change. Right? That's what the scripture said. It's, it's temporary. If you can see it with these eyes, it can change. And we ought to know that. If it was good and it got bad, you know it can change. It used to be good. If it went from good to bad, why can't it go from bad to good again? You know it can change. Don't let the devil tell you it can't change. You know it can change. It already did. Right? It's amazing how folks let the devil trip them up. You know, it was going great and now it's terrible. And the devil tell them it'll never change. Did you get it? It'll never, it'll always be terrible. Well, it wasn't always terrible. We know it can change. It changed from good to bad. That means it can change from bad to good. Or bad to better, better, better than it ever was. But how would you see that if you couldn't see anything but problems when you opened your eyes? Well, that means it's time to shut your eyes. (laughs) That means it's time to go sit down somewhere and quit looking at the problem and shut your eyes and say, Lord, help me to see what you see. Help me to see me in Christ. Help me to see me in victory, to see me healed, to see me with my bills paid, to see me coming out of this. Hmm? And if you'll get with him, he'll show you some things. And you can see it with your eyes closed. And that is the beginning of seeing it with your eyes open. If you say, what's he talking about? Just hold on. Just, just, just stay, stay with us. And uh, we're going somewhere I believe it will be very plain the further we go. Second Corinthians 3 and uh, 17, he said, Now the Lord is that Spirit, 317, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now the Lord's going to show you truth, and truth makes you free. And... When you're seeing what he's showing you, what the Spirit is showing you, it's going to minister freedom to you. Not oppression, not sadness, not grief, but joy. You can be in the midst of the worst situations, and if you pull you, tear yourself away from these alarming symptoms and terrible problems, and seek him, close your eyes, and focus on him, and, and spend some time talking to him, he will show you a picture of total victory. He will show you a vision of overcoming. If you open your eyes, it looks like total defeat. If you close your eyes, it's total victory. Which one you want to look at? Come on, help me out. Which one? Then why do millions choose to look at the defeat? The stuff that is the most temporary and most undependable. To look at, that's what people choose to look at. But believers can train themselves. I said believers can train themselves to look at that which is not seen. 
Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. And he which has begun a good work in me. He will finish this thing. Can you say amen? Amen. You must become strong in the area of what you allow in your mind. I know as overseer of this local church and what's going on in these projects, I cannot for one moment let myself see anything about this church as a failure or coming up short or lacking. Are failing to accomplish what it's supposed to. Hmm? You know, you want to run up against a brick wall, try to make me see it another way. <laughs> I'm set. My soul is anchored. Why? Because you're counting on me to be that way. Right? It's important that I see nothing But victory. In fact, I see nothing but net. Anybody know what I mean? What does that mean? Basketball. When it goes right through, it's such a good shot. It don't hit the rim. It's nothing but net. Wasn't even close to bouncing out. Everybody say, That's what you need to see as your outcome of your life and your ministry. What God's calling you to be a part of and do. The enemy has always tried to get the wrong image in mankind. Because he knows the power of it. Most human beings do not know the power of it. Oblivious to it. And will just let themselves go day in and day out and meditate on things. Worry. What is worry? Worry is looking at the wrong thing. Isn't it? Looking at the wrong thing. Is it dangerous? Always dangerous. Because it feeds fears. And there's a spiritual law that what you greatly fear will come on you. Well, what if the Lord could get you to looking at the right thing? And all you could see is victory. All you could see was you coming out. I don't care if you're in the worst storm and test of your life. You close your eyes. Out here it looks awful. It looks like it's already over and, and defeated. But you close your eyes and you see the clouds rolling back and the dust settling. And there you are with your miracle. There you are with the answer. Victory. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Say it out loud. I see me as victorious. I see me as healed. I see all my needs met. I see total victory. Glory to God. Now if you will talk like that and do that long enough, it begins to crystallize. You begin to see. The Lord will actually begin to show you details of what you're talking about. 
Now, if you look at how bad things are and the symptoms and the problems, the enemy will give you details of it getting worse and worse and it's too bad and it's so sad and it's all over. And that will make you depressed if you listen to it. And that will defeat you because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if all your joy is gone, all your peace is gone, you're faithless, hopeless, joyless, you're a mess. And you're going nowhere fast. But do you have to be that way? Come on. Do you have to feel sorry for yourself? Do you have to sit around, lay around, and look at that? You don't. You don't have to look at that. You can choose to look at something else. Go ahead. Some folks need to pray this. Say it out loud. Father God, help me to renew my mind. Think what you want me to think. Look at what I should look at. I want it. I'm willing to change. Help me to renew my mind. Thank you, Lord. What did our text say? If your mind is renewed, you will be transformed into a different person. Your life will be transformed. That's not hype. That's Bible. That's truth. Keep reading in 2 Corinthians 3, 17. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, freedom. How do you know if you're looking at the right thing? Acknowledge its effects on you. If you were looking at the right thing, it would be exciting you. It would be ministering peace to you. Right? And joy. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, the scripture said. But if you're all upset, if you're just feeling worse by the moment, if you're just getting more and more distraught, and distracted, and anxious, and scared, wake up! (laughs) You're looking at the wrong thing. Quit it! Don't just go day after day after day, getting more and more depressed, more and more sad. It should be obvious to us as people of God. Quit looking at that. Look at what it's doing to you. All you got to know. To whether this is the right thing or wrong thing, something I should be looking at or shouldn't be looking at, what is it doing to you? How is it affecting you? That tells you right away whether you should continue looking at it or not. Keep reading. He said, we all, verse 18, with open face, nothing over our face, beholding as in a glass or mirror the glory of the Lord, we're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is exactly what we read about in Romans 12. Changed means there's a transformation going on. It doesn't all happen just in a moment of time. It happens progressively from glory to glory. But it happens as you behold The right thing as you're looking. How do you see the glory of God? Not with your eyes open. You'll see a lot of stuff with your eyes open that is not the glory of God. (laughs) 
But by faith, you can look in this word. You can uh, commune with him and and he can minister these truths to you. And you can see the Lord in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can see redemption, revelation in uh, Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians and Colossians. It's there to see. Yes. And even though you might have your eyes open reading the words out of your Bible, as you're reading, you're not just seeing ink on paper. You can begin to see the glory of the Lord. What He has done is glorious. God became man, became flesh, dwelt among us, showed us how to live. How to walk by faith. How to pray. How to overcome. Went to the cross. Defeated the devil on his own ground. I mean. Took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I mean bore all of the sin and paid the price for it. And rose from the dead triumphant over it forever. Can you say amen? It's glorious. I said it's glorious what he has done. And he will open our eyes and help us to see that. If we want to see it. If we're willing to look. Hold your place here and go to Ephesians please. Hold your place there. Turn over just a page or two to Ephesians. One. He's praying the Spirit of God is inspiring Paul to pray for the saints, the church of the saints at uh, Ephesus. And it applies to us as well. We should pray the same way. Ephesians 1, he said, verse 16, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. What's he praying for him? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eye. Of your understanding, not your physical eyes, eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that's his glory, what the riches of the glory, obviously more glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He's praying, Lord, help them to see this. Enlighten the eyes of their understanding that they would see who they are in Christ, what they have in Christ, what he has done for us, what he's doing for us, where we are, where we're going in him, and it's glory, glory, glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, if you see that, you're not going to be depressed. You're not going to stay in bed and pull the cover over your head. Can't answer the phone. Can't go to work. So, 
sad. If that's the case, you're looking at something else, aren't you? Because the Spirit of God is not giving you an image of hopelessness or helplessness or victim or defeat. That is not coming from Him. And if that's what you're seeing and thinking about, you're yielding to something evil. All of us have made mistakes and yielded to wrong thoughts and feelings at times. But I think if a lot of folks saw, could see in the Spirit and see what they were wallowing around in the bed with spiritually, feeling sorry for their self, they'd throw up and then they'd take five showers. <laughs> Come on, are you listening to me? And they wouldn't do it again. Because these foul things spiritually are something we should not give one moment of our mind time to. Go back with me to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians 3, he said, Beholding, like in a mirror, a glass, the glory of the Lord, we're changed, changed. Does it matter what you look at, what you behold? According to these verses, you become what you behold. You're transformed and changed into what you look at. You become what you behold. It doesn't all happen in a moment of time, but you're changed into the same image you're beholding, and you're changed from glory to glory, and it is by the agency of the power of the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You believe these truths? If we really believed it, we'd be very selective about what we let ourselves look at. Because if you don't want to become that, don't think on it. Don't look it at it. Don't watch it. If you do want to become it, think about it night and day. Look, even if you're not that way, look at it. Behold it. Meditate it. And it'll begin a transformation in you to cause you to become what you're beholding. Oh, it won't all happen in 30 minutes, but it'll happen from glory to glory. Glory to God by the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Master. Chapter 4 and verse 3. He said, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image. Everybody say image. The image of God should shine unto them. Oh, friend, this is so significant. How can the enemy stop people from being born again? The only thing he can do is keep them from ever seeing the light. Because once they see the light, there's nothing he can do. To stop it. What is he after? To stop the glorious gospel of Christ. The glorious gospel of the image. Everybody say image. Image. What is an image? An image is a picture. We might say. Hold your place here. Go to Genesis. Genesis, I think it's the uh, 
first chapter and the uh, 26th verse, very first chapter, verse 26. God said, let us make man, how? In our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion. And he talks about over everything on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man, how? In his own image. He says it again, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now, we've talked about this already. We, we said, what is a thought? If there is the power to transform a person completely into a different person by changing the way they think, then there's power in these thoughts. What is a thought? What is it? And we saw that the very words that are translated thoughts are imaginations. And think about the word imagination. What's the first part of that word? Image. What is a thought? A thought means nothing at all unless it gives you an image. A thought would be meaningless without an image. You don't think in letters. Dog means nothing unless it produces a picture. If you don't understand the language, then when you hear dog, it doesn't produce a picture of a four-legged canine. Of whatever sort. Now the image may vary. According to whatever kind of dog you like or have. But if it doesn't produce a picture of the dog. The word's meaningless. Empty. Words produce images. I can start describing right now. A place that I was at a few days ago. The mountain peaks stretched up to 14,000 feet and the snow as we drove up the side of the mountain the snow was still as high as the car top and we looked down into the valley and there was crystal clear waters from that snow melt flowing down in that river and it was so deep the houses were really small And now I didn't just rattle off some words to you you were there with me in different measures And that's just with me sharing just a very few words with you. What about the power of God? Him talking to you and his words. What do they do? His words produce divine vision. Oh, are you awake to hear this? His words. God's words reveal. How can I say it? Um. Reveal to you is the right word, his image. The image that he has in him, he speaks to you. Now the image that was in him can be in you. I don't think we've gotten the, I know we haven't gotten the full understanding of this verse when it says God created man in his own image. And then he says it again two more times. Image, image. What does that have to do? Well, God saw in himself what we're supposed to be. 
And yes, it was also after his likeness, but that word is used in addition to image. And how he saw us was like him. But we talked about the potter making the pottery. And that beautiful vase. Before it existed out here, where was it? It was in the artist, wasn't it? He starts with a big lump of clay, no shape, no form, and he sees this exquisite vase in all its detail. Well, does it exist or not? Yes, it does in him. (laughs) It exists in him. Before it existed here, where you could touch it, it existed in him. Because the image was in him. And before this earth was, and before you and I became, God saw us. Oh, come on. He saw us in him. We existed in him before we existed out here. Glory to God. Before there is a forming, there's an image. Before there's a picture, and then there's a performance. Thank you, Lord. That's why there's a planet here. That's why there's a solar system. That's why there's a universe. That's why you have internal organs and a brain. God saw it all. He saw every microscopic atomic detail. He saw it all. And then he said it. And what he saw came out in power through his words. And the Spirit of God formed it. Now here's the amazing thing. Dogs and cats do not have this ability. Cows and horses do not have this ability. Eagles and fish and deer do not have this ability. We do. We have the ability to conceive something inside us and to see it with our eyes closed. And to on purpose choose words that depict that image and fill them full of faith. And speak them out into this realm like the Almighty. Now we're not at the place of creating planets like Him. Somebody said, yet. I was thinking that too. But we have, we're told we can rule and reign in this life. We ought to be operating on some level of this. Even if it seems small. It's a place to start. But so many are just oblivious to these spiritual laws and principles. That they are allowing the enemy to come. And put these terrible images of failure and defeat. And they will meditate them. Weeks at a time and they will talk them night and day as though they had no power to produce. 
The enemy cannot create anything good. He's not an equal opposite of God. He is a fallen created being. He can't create good. He can't come up with anything new. All he can do is distort and pervert something that already exists. But he sees how this has operated from the beginning. And so he knows if that's how God causes great things to happen, it's how he can cause terrible things to happen. If he can come and bring words and thoughts and feelings and images of you being a failure and you being messed up and you being defeated and hopeless, if he can get that inside you and get you to see yourself that way. There are Christians who despise themselves. Not just a few. Christians, they absolutely despise themselves. They have come to see themselves as not a good person. As not a valuable addition to the family or church. They've come to see. How did they come to see themselves like that? The enemy has fed it to them. When they're by themselves and when they're getting ready and when they're going to bed and when they're getting, he's fed this junk to them. And they have thought it and they have listened to it and they have looked at it until they have come to believe it and see themselves that way. And the problem is you become what you behold. You look at that long enough and think about that and talk about that long enough. It will change you. You will become that. Your fears will come on you. Which is why it is so important to keep your nose in this book. Come on, are you listening? And go to church when you're supposed to. And feed on the Word. And let God enlighten the eyes of your understanding. And help you to see yourself through His eyes. That you are the apple of His eye. You are what He made the planet for. Come on, are you listening? You are His beloved. And He is already made you clean by the blood of the Lamb. He's already predestined you to glory. If He's not moved by your stumbling around and your ignorance, and He still can see you ruling and reigning with Him in the kingdom to come, then you need to have some faith too. It says, well, if He can see me that way, I, by faith, I'm going to see me that way too. If you say, well, I'm not even close to being just like Jesus. Well, you've only been going what? 50 years? (laughs) That's nothing in the timeline of eternity. If you've even made a little bit of progress, if you just continued that small, minute amount of progress for the next 10 million years, (laughs) where would you be? By the grace of God, you will get there. Amen. Come on now, you'll get, He will get you there. Yes, he will. So what if it took another 500 years? We got all eternity. But let's not waste any of this life either. He made us in His image. The image. Somebody say the image. The image. Go back to 2 Corinthians 4. Before it was a thing, it was a thought. Before it was a form, it was an image. 
God pictured it and he performed it. Every invention, every invention you want to mention, same way. Car, airplane, jet engine, computer, dishwasher. There was a time when there wasn't one. Right? And somebody got tired of a rub board. <laughs> Didn't they? He thought, this is for the birds, man. It takes me half a day to go down to the creek and get the water, build a fire, and then my hand, look at my hands. This is nuts. There's got to be a better way. Something inside them told them there was a better way. Nobody had it. Nobody had done it. It didn't exist. But something in them told them it could be done. So they started trying to see it. Didn't they? And a lot of times it was trial and error. They could see this. But they didn't do this, and, and they got this, but then this wasn't right. But every time there came a leap out here, it was after there was a leap in here. If you've never heard or read the autobiography or story of Mr. R.G. Letourneau, it's an interesting read. He's called the father of the modern bulldozer. And he was not an educated man. A lot of his family were missionaries, and he thought he would be too, but the Lord let him know that he wanted him to be a businessman, and that he would be his partner, and show him how to do this, and for it was all said and done, he became very, very wealthy and influential. But he, at one point, he had, uh, you know, university trained engineers that were the best in their field, and they came on problems with this heavy machinery that they could not solve, and the Lord would show him in the nighttime. He's got no college education, but he'd see a picture of how the uh, track on that bulldozer was supposed And at one point, he's told them they needed great big rubber tires, and that was unheard of. Uh, unheard of. They thought, no. He said, yeah, do it, because he's the boss. <laughs> and he would see it. The Lord would show him. Like, well, you know, he's an engineer, he's not trained, but he's an engineer, and he'd see the schematic, he'd see the blueprint, and he'd go in and talk it to them, and they'd draw it, and they're just amazed that it worked, it worked perfect. (laughs) But before it was out there rolling and pushing down trees and making roads, it was in him. Every, every, and not most inventions, every invention, every Modern convenience, appliance, the car you drove over here in, everything was in somebody's heart and mind first. And the reason it ever got in them is because it was all in God before the foundation. It was all in Him. Now, friend, we can tap into this. I said we can tap into this in our daily life. That's right. Students. I don't care if I'm talking about young people, teenagers, uh, college students, or people that's 60 years old and decided to go back to college. Same thing. If you're not getting it, if it's not clicking for you, 
Just under your breath, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, show me. Because the Holy Ghost is the master instructor. He, Jesus taught people in parables, similitudes they were familiar with, and the, the understanding comes through association. This is like this. What? Something you already understand, he can find the right counterpart. And then it clicks for you. Because you see it. Come on, are you with me? It's also the key to memory. Which is the connection to what people call genius. Remembering so much stuff. It's not through rote memorization. It's through association. And understanding. And you got the master teacher inside you. One thing do not ever say. Is I'm too old. I'm too old. I've been out of school too long. Come on. Come on. You are made in the image and likeness of God. That's right. Your mind's abilities to learn and understand and remember are unlimited. Yes. Un, I'm telling you, unlimited. There is no limit to what you can learn and understand. A billion years from now, you will still be learning and growing and understanding. Thank you, Lord. Unlimited. Don't let the devil lie to you. Well, I'm just getting old, you know. I'm, I'm now 70 year old now. I just don't remember like I used to. If you say so. <laughs> you limited yourself. Now your body may not be like it was when it was 16. But your mind should be better. Come on, are you listening to me? Your mind should be better. Don't you buy into this stuff. Of losing your cognitive abilities. Everybody needs to say it out loud. I will never lose my mind. Come on, say it again. I will never lose my mind. My whole life long, I will be sharp, bright, quick, great memory. I can learn anything. I need to learn. I can understand anything. With the Lord's help, I will never lose my mind. Thank you, Lord. Believe it. Expect just that. Don't be afraid of anything else because it's the fear that gets you in trouble. Where are you now? I don't think we're through with Genesis. Go back to Genesis. 30th chapter though. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. You're transformed into a different person. Better person. And what is the renewing of your mind? It has to do with the way you, what you think and the way you think. These are thoughts. Thoughts are images. Images are shapes of things to come. Forms of what can be. This principle is, we saw it in the first chapter of Genesis. It's all through the Word of God. And when your eyes are open to it, you start recognizing it at different places. And one of the more colorful examples of this is in this 30th chapter of Genesis. Genesis 30 Jacob has had to run away from home 
because of what he did to his brother Esau. And he wound up with uh, Laban. And uh, you know the story of him marrying his daughters. And uh, Jacob's name means supplanter or deceiver, tricker. And you sure see sowing and reaping here. He tricked his brother. And he wound up with Laban who wrote the book on tricking. (laughs) And Laban, his father-in-law, did contracts with him for labor for his daughter's hand in marriage and then beyond. But ten different times, everybody say ten. Ten. Ten different times he got him. He gouged him. Jacob missed the fine print. Not twice. Not five times. Every time. He'd think, well, okay, I'm finally going to get ahead and I'm going to make some money now and begin to build my house up. And he'd start making some things and Jay, uh, Laban or his sons would come and say, well, now the contract says this. We could, what, what part? Way down here at the bottom. <laughs> no, you're going to need a magnifying glass. But you see that right there? So finally, Jacob went to prayer about it. How many know it doesn't pay to do people wrong and take advantage of them and trick them? Because you sow in that, you can wind up reaping it. Wind up people doing you the same way. Thank God you can repent and change. And Jacob did. And so the Lord showed him what to do. And it was not conventional. Of course, their wealth is a lot in their livestock, their cows, their goats, their uh, sheep, their horses, their camels. A lot of their wealth is in their livestock. And uh, Laban's trying to get him to stay because he's talking about leaving in Genesis 30. And verse 27, Laban said, I pray you, if I found favor in your eyes, stay, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Will God bless a business or an enterprise owned by an ungodly person because of godly people that are there working? It's happened many times. And he said, appoint me your wages and I'll give, just tell me what you want. Tell me how much pay you want and I'll do it. Of course, Jacob's heard this before. By the time they get through with the lawyers and the paperwork, he always gets caught. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> and I'm sure he's thinking, yeah, right. You're going to pay me. time you get through paying me, I will owe you. Because <laughs> he's so slick. Anyway. Jacob heard from the Lord. The Lord showed him what to do. Verse 31. He says, this is, uh, this is what's going to happen. You're not going to give me anything if you'll just do this for me. You won't even have to pay me. I'm sure Laban liked that. I'm going to pass through all your flock today and I'm going to remove from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats of such shall be my hire. We're going to take all the spotted ones and speckled ones out. But then any new ones that come that are spotted and speckled, they're mine. That'll be my pay. And the off-color ones. 
So shall my righteousness answer me for in time to come when it shall come from my hire before my face. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats or brown among the sheep, that'll be counted stolen with me. Of course, you don't have to say it, but if there's any speckled ones, wind up with Laban, he stole them. This is an obvious thing. The Lord has given him something here, hasn't he? And Laban said, behold, I would that it be according to your word. Let's do it. And so he removed that day. All the ring straight and spotted and speckled. And he gave them to his sons. And they set three days journey between themselves. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. At this point, the herds have got no speckled ones in them. Because they've been removed. Verse 37, are you reading? Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of hazel and chestnut tree. And he peeled white strakes in them. And made the white appear which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs, when the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring-straked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring straight and all the brown in the flock of Laban. He put his own flocks by themselves, put them not to Laban's cattle. And it came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. And so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. <laughs> And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maid servants and men servants and camels and asses. Glory to God. What happened? He's praying. He said, God, this man has just impoverished me. I've been working here all these years. I got nothing to show for it. Every time we do a contract, he winds up, you know, taking me to the cleaners. What can I do? Help me. And the Lord gave him a vision. If you read the whole passage, the Lord showed him uh, a vision of the flocks breeding uh, before specks and spots. And so he did. He went when the when the flocks came to the watering troughs. He took these limbs and sticks and he made stripes and spots, and he put them in front of their eyes, cows, and the cows. Ate, drank, and bred, looking at specks and spots and stripes. And they conceived specks and spots, because they were looking at specks and spots. And when the months were fulfilled, the calves were birthed, and they were spotted and speckled. And it wasn't just happen chance, because Jacob got to the point where he thought, well, no, that's a sickly cow. I don't want a calf out of that cow. So he got his rods out of the way. And he took his spot. So then they didn't, they brought forth the regular kind. But it was a real strong uh, cow and bull. Then he'd put his specks and spots in front of them. And, and they saw spots and they conceived spots and they brought forth spots. If this would work for a cow. <laughs> huh? If it worked for a cow. <laughs> Why wouldn't it work for a child of God? Oh, friend, does it matter what you're looking at, what you're hearing, who you're around, your environment? 
If you'd listen and allow it, the Lord would hook you up with people and let you be around people that you would see the Word of God working in their lives and you would see results. Maybe they've been at it longer than you, walking with the Lord longer, sowing more and longer than you, and you would see these things coming to pass. He's got you there, not just for fellowship. He wants that in front of your eyes. Come on, are you listening? He wants that in front of you. And it needs to be in front of you, not just the odd time, twice or three times a year. It needs to be in front of you on a regular basis. See, this was there every time they came to the watering trough. And it is a spiritual law that you become what you behold, what you're looking at. I heard some folks debating and uh, philosophers and educators talking about... uh, Was there, they're saying, any connection or correlation between this violent pornography and these violent sex offenders committing these crimes? They were trying to conjecture, you know, because again and again, they saw these people are watching this stuff and feeding on it on a regular basis. And they wind up being criminals committing these crimes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you watch something long enough, it will get in you. And if it gets in you, it will conceive. Go to the New Testament book of James and you see him describe the process. Book of James. James 1 and verse 13. Well, let me read verse 12. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. Can you endure temptation and not yield to it? Yes, Yes, you can. For when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Is God ever involved in trying to get you to do something wrong? Never, never. Can't happen. But every man, this is true with every one of us, every person on the planet, every man is tempted when what happens? When he's drawn, pulled away of his own lust. That's not the devil, that's you. And enticed, that's the devil. Verse 15, then when lust has conceived, now let's back up, lust, people think of... uh, you know, sexual things, but lust is just strong desire. It could be for anything that you know is wrong. But involved in the longing desire, would there be any imagery? Oh yeah, imagery and desire go together. Phyllis laughs at me about the food channel. (laughs) I generally don't watch a food channel. She likes to watch it some. But I watch it for about 20 minutes and think, where can we get some? (laughs) That looks good to me. (laughs) Where do we get it? (laughs) And maybe wasn't even hungry, wasn't even thinking about it. But you get to looking at that and they braise it and they put the sauce on it and they do this. And you go, hey, yeah, I'll take some. Two orders right here. (laughs) 
Is looking at something, does it feed your desire for that thing and make you, which is why a lot of people need to stay out of the mall. Because <laughs> they got every credit card maxed out and over and they know they don't need to do it, buy anything else right now. But if you get in there, well, I'm just going to window shop. Mm-mm. That's what you said the last 40 times when you ran up your credit cards. No, why? looking at it makes you want it. Have some smarts. If you don't need to buy it, don't look at it. Doesn't mean you can never have it. Just don't look at it now. Because it's just going to bother you. I know one time I was, we went out to a car dealership and, and I was looking in the car and salesman came up and he said, can I help you? I said, no, I'm just looking. He said, that's how it starts. <laughs> what about Eve out at the tree of knowledge of good and evil? That's how it starts. Out there looking. And shouldn't have been looking. Shouldn't have been out there. Why? Because it feeds the desire. Put the scripture back up. What happens? When lust, when desire has conceived, it brings forth sin and sin. Now let's just stop. Sin. What is sin? It's violation of light and knowledge. You saw it. You knew it was wrong. You knew you shouldn't do it. But you kept looking at it. The more you looked at it and thought about it and listened to it, the more you wanted to do it. You keep doing that. You're going to conceive sin. And if that works in you long enough, you're going to act on it. You're going to do it. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do you see the process? Same thing as with those cows. They were looking at spots until they conceived spots. And then they carried spots around inside them until they calved and brought forth spots. This is a spiritual law and principle. It didn't happen in two or three days time. It happened over months time. Same thing is true with us. Whatever we're looking at. You, it didn't just happen the moment you look at it or the third day after you looked at it. But you keep looking at it and keep looking at it. It stirs up your desires for it. And you keep looking at it. It will get in you. You'll conceive it. And it'll grow in you. You keep feeding it, it'll grow in you until you act on it. Until you do it. And if it's bad, sin will bring forth death in your life. Oh, but it can be good. I said it can be good. You can look at the right thing. You can hear the right thing. And you can be so far from it, you can look at healing. And you can be terminally ill. And everything on the outside just looks like death itself. But you can hear about him taking your infirmities and bearing your sicknesses and carrying your pains. And with long life satisfying you. And you can look at that until you get a picture of you being healed on the inside of you. Even though you can't get off the bed on the outside. You can see it. You can see you getting better and better and better until you're healed. And you come off that bed and you live out your full length of time down here below and you finish the things that you should do in this life That's right. yes, sir. you can feed on this word until you see that just as clear as a bell yes, sir. and if you look at it long enough you won't just start seeing spots you'll start seeing healed on the inside you'll conceive healed 
on the inside. And when you conceive it, it may be months before anybody else sees it on the outside, but it's a growing on the inside. Come on. It's a growing on the inside of you. And there will come a time when healing is brought forth. Same thing works in your finances. It can look bleak, hopeless financially for you. But you can feed on this word until you can see how big God, how easy it is. I mean, he can pay your taxes by sending you fishing. Can he? Can he? He feeds thousands with a little handful of food. A boy's lunch. I mean, he is not limited by what he can do. It is so easy for him to absolutely pay off all your debts, catch you up with one little sweep of his finger. It's so easy. Easy for him. Oh, I wish you would do it. It don't come by wishing. You got to do what he told you to do. You got to stop looking at the pile of bills and feeling sorry for yourself. And you got to begin to look at him and think about what he said and let prosperity get in your eyes. Come on, let abundance get in your mouth. And in your ears until, how many know if you look at it long enough and don't hang around people that talk against prosperity, that's dumb. Hang around people that believe in prosperity and talk prosperity. And I'm not talking about covetousness and and greediness. I'm just talking about abundance. Always having what you need. Plenty. And if you'll let him, the Lord will put you around people like that. That'll talk faith. And and you see it happening in their life. And that shouldn't make you envious or jealous. It should excite you. Because you know if God will do it for them. He's no respecter of persons. He'll do it for you. It doesn't all happen just in a day or two or a week or two. But you keep looking at it. And you keep talking it. And you keep looking at it. And you keep listening to it. And you keep hanging around it. You will conceive. I said you will conceive prosperity and your needs met inside you. And it may not look any better. But it will grow in you. I said it will grow in you. And and if you won't let it out and you won't quit. It will grow to the point where it produces in your life and it's brought forth and you don't just see it in here only you see it out here too hallelujah can you take that very same principle and put it to work in your personal affairs Hmm? stand on your feet everybody thank you Lord thank you Lord Hallelujah. Hebrews 8.10, if you'd put it on the screen for us. I want us to close with this and we'll pray over this. Hebrews 8, verse 10. The Lord said, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws, where? Into their mind. And I will write them in their hearts. Everybody say, in their mind, mind. write them them. in their hearts. The word is inscribe, inscribe them like like an imprint. This is how the Lord works with us. He imprints his word in our spirit. And it forms the the image. 
And things are created after the image, his image, the image he gave us. I want you to close your eyes. Let your heart agree with this prayer. And then we'll pray in the spirit some after we pray this. Sit out loud, Father God, forgive me for looking at things, imagining things I should not have looked at. Failure, defeat, sin, wrong. I see now it's not innocent. It's dangerous because what I look at can get in me and if long enough I can become what I'm beholding instead I choose to behold you to look upon Jesus the author and the finisher of my faith I set my eyes on you I look upon you, you. and as I do, do, I open up my heart, I open up my my spirit, I I ask you, you, put your words words and your ways ways in my mind, mind. inscribe Inscribe. on my heart, heart. impress, imprint. Your image in me, in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.